0: Hey, and welcome to the Vintage Church at Buffalo podcast. Here you'll find a teaching for your life from God's Word by Pastor Wes Aram. So, let's get to it. So, Numbers uh, chapter 13, either in the hard copy of the Bible you brought with you, hopefully you brought a Bible with you, or on your electronic device, that is uh, good as well. So, we are going to be talking about a truth a big truth that is going to be exemplified in a guy's life that we're going to be uh, looking at. So here's the truth. You have the, the blanks there on your sheet if you want to fill in it. It's this. Genuine belief in God results in genuine behavior for God. Genuine belief in God results in genuine behavior for God. All right. If you love God, you're going to live for Him. What, whatever you believe in your life in your heart, is going to show up in your life. What you truly believe is going to show up in your actions and your decisions. So, genuine belief in God is going to result in genuine behavior for God. Now, the guy whose life we're going to look at, real-life person in the Scriptures that exemplifies this truth, is Caleb. Now, you may be familiar with that name if you've been around the Bible at all. Caleb, a little quick backstory. Caleb was a slave, okay, in Egypt and he was part of the crew that Moses came in and through God's, you know, miraculous intervention, they got released, right? They've got freed from Egyptian um, slavery, you know, went through from the 10 plagues, went through the Red Sea, okay? All these things happened. Caleb was a part of that, all right? That's important. Now, Here's what's important to know for this story is that God came to Moses and he gave him this promise. It's recorded in Exodus 3.8. I have that scripture listed for you. All the scriptures I'm going to talk about tonight are listed there for you on that sheet. Exodus 3.8 says this, God is speaking. So I've come down to rescue them, the Israelites, from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. All right? So this is the goal. This was clear to Moses, and this was later proclaimed to the people, 10 chapters later in Exodus 13, verse 5. It was proclaimed to them, this is the promise that God has made to us. He's taking us out of Egypt to bring us in to a promised land. So that's where we're headed. That's the goal. That's the target. Everybody was clear on that. So they come up out of the Red Sea. They come up to uh, the edge of the promised land, and they decide to send 12 spies And You guys are probably familiar with the story. So 12 spies go in, they come back. Here is the report recorded for us in the book of Numbers. You have it in front of you, chapter 13. Uh, Take a look at verse 26. So they, the spies... Okay, 12 of them. They came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. There they reported to them and the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. They gave Moses' account. We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. It's amazing, right? They, they display it. It's incredible. Everybody's like, oh, this is amazing. But the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites live in the Negev, the Hittites, Jebusites, and Amorites live in the hill country, and the Canaanites live near the sea and along the Jordan. In other words, all these people, man, there's no way. We're not taking this, this land over. There's no way. We are slaves. We are not seasoned warriors. This, the land is great. It's everything God said it was. But it's, it's covered up with all these people. They're strong. They're massive. We will never be able to take it over. So there's quite an uproar. Okay, You get the picture. Look at the next verse. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses. Caleb steps up as one of the twelve. and He quiets the people down. He says, listen to me. And then he says this, we should go up and take possession of the land for we can certainly do it. Caleb says, listen, this is a promise of God. We can do this. He's promised it to us. Let's go. Look at the response. But the men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. They spread a bad report. Report. Just as a side note, gossip steals blessing from your life. Gossip steals blessing from your life and from the lives of those around you. Here's a perfect example of that. So these guys decide, you know, they listen to the ten spies, Two, Joshua and Caleb, say, no, we can do this. Other ten said, no, there's no way. There's absolutely no way. Do you see what is going on in Caleb's life? He sees the same thing they do, but he says, listen, we can do this. We should do this. God promises to us. We all know the promise. He says that we can do it, so let's go. How did he come to that conclusion? Because he had genuine belief in God and who he was and what he said. And as a result, it produced in him, it resulted in him, behavior, genuine behavior for God. He believed God. So let's go in and take it because that's how that works. Now look at a little side note on Caleb. Just look over probably at the next page in your Bible. um, Numbers uh, chapter 14. Look at verse 23 and 24. God is speaking to Moses. He says, Not one of them, the people who didn't believe, right? who didn't think they could do it, not one of them will ever see the land I promised on oath to their forefathers. No one who has treated me with contempt will ever see it. By the way, if you don't believe what God says, you're treating him with contempt. That's no joke. Verse 24. But because my servant Caleb has a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly, I will bring him into the land he went to and his descendants will inherit it. You see what God says about Caleb? He has a different spirit. He serves me wholeheartedly. He's all in, man. He totally believes what God says. He believes who God is. And as a result, he's like, let's go. It produces in him genuine behavior for God. We see this truth exemplified in Caleb's life. This is what the scripture is telling us. This is the example that Caleb gives us. We see in him true, genuine belief in God and what he says. He goes, let's go. It impacts his actions. It impacts what he does. Belief is a very big deal to God. We see it all through scripture. Let me give you a couple uh, words from Jesus about the issue of belief. John 14, 1, Jesus says this, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, Believe also in me. Believe in me, Jesus said. John 6, 29, Jesus answered, The work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. You want to know what the best work of God you can do? To believe Jesus. Believe what he says. Believe what he stands for. John 11, 25, 26, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe in me? This. This is Jesus talking to his friend Martha. You guys know the story. Uh, Martha and Mary and Lazarus, close friends of Jesus. Lazarus are sick. He ends up, they send for Christ. Christ stays two more days where he's at. Lazarus dies, and now he meets for the first time with Martha. Lazarus has been dead four days. Situation is awful. It seems hopeless. That is the backdrop. And here is Jesus looking right at Martha and says, Do you believe this? Do you believe this? Don't look at all of this. Look at me. Do you believe what I'm telling you? Do you believe me? That, my friends, is exactly what happens to us when we meet with Jesus in the scripture. When we spend time with God and he hands a promise to us from his word, by his spirit, it's just like Jesus is looking you right in the eye and saying, do you believe me? Do you believe me? Jesus always means what he says. Do we believe him? There's another word for belief in the Bible. It's called faith. We know that. And uh, the Bible doesn't leave us guessing as to what faith is all about. Hebrews 11.1 gives us a definition. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. It's confidence, what we hope for, and assurance about what we do not see see. That's a definition for faith or belief, genuine belief in God. Again, one more time. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. So, I wanted my, at a young age, I wanted my um, kids, kids were at a young age, Dylan and Lindsay, I wanted them to understand and kind of get an idea of what this is, what this means, that they could trust God. So I'm going to use an illustration that I gave them. Some of you have seen this before, but I want you to act like you've never seen it. It's the greatest thing ever. Okay, so here's, here's what happened. I brought them I brought them down, kind of I brought Lindsay and Dylan down. We laid out on our, our table, our dining room table, a, a giant picture, okay, and it was flat on the table, and we brought them down. We made them cover their eyes. So they brought, they came down, and I gave each one of them a paper uh, towel roll, okay, like this, like this. So they kept their eyes closed, and I put it over a portion of the picture. And I said, Okay, I want you to keep your one hand over your one eye, right, like, like this. And they said, I, Then I want you to look at the picture through this tube right here, and I want you to tell me what you see. I want you to describe for me what you see. And so they looked through. And uh, and they told me, they described, you know, one of them said, well, I see some gray, I see like a line, it's probably a little road. I see uh, some blue, that's probably water. So I said, tell me what the picture is. And so they both did, they both told me, different pictures, clearly a different picture. They both got a different picture. They described it. I said, are you sure that that is a picture? Yes, we see it. We're absolutely sure that is a picture. I said, okay, I want you to take the tube away. I want you to open your eyes and I want you to take a look. And all of a sudden they stepped back and they saw this whole, massive picture that was not describing what they saw through here, okay? They saw something very, very different. Here's the point. This is what you and I see in our life right here. This is about how much of what God is doing we actually see right here. Faith is believing that God sees the entire picture and that he is busy fitting our little piece into the giant picture that He is creating and that He is crafting. Faith is believing that even when we don't understand what we can see, that we believe that God totally understands what we can't see and that He is active and working on our behalf, fitting this little picture that sometimes we totally can't grasp into His big story. That's what faith is. Faith is confidence of what we hope for and assurance of what we do not see. It's assurance that even though we're struggling to try and figure this out, it's assurance and belief and confidence that God sees the whole picture and he is working it out for our good, for our benefit, for us. Romans 8, 28 and verse 31, which says all things work according to, you know, our good for those who love God. God works that out. Verse 31, That if God is for us, who can be against us? God is not against you. He is working for you. And faith is believing that even though you can't understand this, that God does and that He is on your side. And the God who is crazy about you and crazy committed to you is at work for you. Because sometimes what we see through here is hard, sometimes it's troubling. Sometimes it doesn't make sense, but here's what faith does. Faith changes how we see what we see. Faith changes how we see what we see. For example, let's go back to Caleb, okay? He and Joshua, along with the other ten spies, they went in, they saw everything. They all saw the same thing. How is it that Caleb and Joshua came to a completely different conclusion? Because they were looking, they were looking at the circumstances through the lens of God's promises and of the character of God. They factored God in. They factored in what God said to their situation. So even though what they saw here looked terrifying, they strapped on God's lens of promise and character, and they saw what they saw through that, and it changed how they saw, what they saw. They factored faith. Uh, they factored God in. That's what faith does. Faith factors God in to our view of our life and our circumstances. That's what faith does. That's what genuine belief in God does. It factors it in. And as a result, they came to a completely different conclusion, a conclusion that honored God. Now, let me give you something else here. A few verses later in Hebrews 11.6 tells us something else about faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who earnestly or diligently seek Him. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Not hard to please God. Impossible to please God. God says, without belief, genuine belief in me, you cannot please me. You can't. Please me. So that is why God is not okay with us saying, hey, God, I believe in you, and then living however we want. God, I totally have faith in you, but then living as though he can't be counted on. God, I believe in you, generally, all the way, 100%, but then we don't trust his promises. God is not okay with that. You know why? Because our behavior reveals what we truly believe. And God is not okay with that. He's not okay with that. See what, like I said before, what we truly believe is going to show up in our lives. What we really love is going to play out in how we live. If we love God, we're going to live for God. If we have a genuine belief in God, man, it's going to result in a behavior that says, I'm going all the way for God. I'm going all the way for God. Just like it did for Caleb. But I'll tell you something else did for Caleb. Fast forward 40 years. 40 years. All the generation that didn't believe in God, that didn't want to move into the promised land, they have died. Now they're at the edge of the promised land again. And let me read for you uh, Joshua 14, 10 through 12. It says this, Now then, just as the Lord promised, he has kept me alive for 45 years since the time he said this to Moses while Israel moved about in the wilderness. So here I am today, 85 years old. I'm still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. Now give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day. You yourself heard then that the Anakites were there and their cities were large and fortified, but the Lord helping me, I will drive them out just as he said. Forty years later, this guy has not lost a step of passion for God. He's in his 80s. Hello, 80s, right? Clap on, clap off. He's in his 80s, okay? And yet... Those of you who are older would totally get that. Thank you. Um, <laughs> some of the younger ones are going, what the heck is he talking about? He's lost his mind. <laughs> Ask somebody who's old, over 50. They'll tell you. Okay. You know what? Here's the thing. And if you read through that so many times over and over again, this is what the Lord promised. This is what the Lord said. Caleb was going, listen, this is what God promised me. This is what he said he's going to give to me. So I'm going. I'm going. And the, and the Anakites, by the way, they were descendants of Goliath. These guys were massive. They were giants. And here's Caleb going, Remember what God said? Joshua, I'm in. I'm going for it. Here we go. Wow. That's pretty amazing, right? How does he get there? Because he had a genuine belief in God that resulted in genuine behavior for God. And time did not slow him down. It only impassioned him more. As we walk with God, that's what God wants to do for us. He wants to impassion us more for Him. Again, dude's 85, still going for it. I want to be that. I want to be that guy. I want to be like that. And because he had a genuine belief in God, lived out in his life. But let me tell you something else that happened. Let me tell you something else about, about Caleb that's, that's, uh, that's pretty, pretty interesting. So, one, during one of the battles, one of the battles that... Um, that uh, the Israelites were in, Moses went up on the hill. Maybe you probably remember the story. He went up on the hill to watch the battle, and as long as he held his arms up, Joshua, who was leading the forces and the troops, uh, they would be winning. The Israelites would be winning. But when Moses' arms got tired and he put them down, then, the, then his enemies would be winning. So Moses took with him two guys, Aaron and Hur, H-U-R, okay? Two dudes, okay, H-U-R. Didn't identify as a woman. It's not H-E-R, it's H-U-R, okay? That's what that is. And so he's a, he's a dude along with Aaron, and they hold Moses' arms up. And they can see they can see how God is using that as a symbol to bring victory okay, to the armies. Aaron and Hur got to be a part of that. Ready? Here's the big reveal. Guess who's Hur's dad was? Caleb. Hur was the son, H-U-R, Hur was the son of Caleb. You don't think that he got a chance to watch Caleb, his dad, through his life? As Caleb said, I'm believing in God. Uh, we're going for it. Behavior, genuine behavior for God. You don't think that impacted him? Of course it impacted him. It not only impacted his life, it set him up to be a part of a miracle that he would never forget for the rest of his life. For you and for me, men, know what this means? And we know this is true. Godly dads matter. They do. Godly dads matter. Listen, we could go through all the studies and I could cite all the research and all the stats, right, about how important the involvement of a dad is in the family unit and what that difference it makes in the lives of the kids. But none of that should surprise us because that's how God set it up. And men, dads, he invites us to step into that role, man, and say, I'm going to lead my family. I'm going to love my wife. I'm going to lead my kids. Ephesians chapter 5 tells us that as husbands, we love our wives as Christ loved the church. You know what he says? Christ, As Christ gave himself up for the church. That means, man, we've got to be willing to die for our wives. By the way, just as a side note, parents, just so you know, we're never told anywhere in the scripture to die for, for our kids. We're supposed to die husbands we're supposed to die for our spouse now we love our kids but they're on loan to us i love Lindsay and dylan with all my heart but they don't belong to me they belong to god they're on loan so what am i supposed to do the very next chapter ephesians 6 chapter 6 says dads fathers don't exasperate your children but bring them up in the training and the admonition of the lord the instruction of the lord let them see what is real in your life, so it can become real in their life. Now, I don't know about you, but as a dad, that is terrifying. Because I'm like, I am not up for the task, man. I'm a mess, I will mess it up. Here's the great news. We are not on our own in this. Remember what we've been talking about in prayer? That God's will is revealed in God's Word. And when God gives us a command, we can turn around and ask Him for that. And He will be active in answering that prayer. So when I come to God and I say, God, I need you to help me love my wife well. God has already commanded me, Wes, I want you to love and protect and cherish your wife well. So when I ask God to help me do that, God's going to do that. Why? He already wants that for me. So when I ask Him, according to Ephesians 6, Lord, I want to train my kids in your ways. Lord, I need your help in that. God says, I already want to give that to you, so of course I'm going to help you. So dads, we can pray, we can ask God for his help, and he will. And by the way, and you know this, you guys all know this, I am finding this out anew uh, in my life, is that uh, you never are ending being parents, right? No matter how old your kids get, you're still going to be uh, mom and dad. And some of you are spiritual parents, by the way. So if you don't have kids, but you are spiritual parents. You have made an impact in the lives of those around you. I got a text this morning from someone who's thanked me for being their spiritual dad. Blew me away. Blew me away. That is you in ways you probably have no idea. So dads, let's follow God's word. Let's follow Caleb's example. And let's step into that role. Say, God, I want to believe in you. I want to be so overwhelmed with belief in who you are and what you say that it impacts my life and impacts the lives of my family and those around me. And here's the thing. That truth is not just for dads. It's for every Christian everywhere. Right? Matthew 5, 16. What does Jesus say? Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. See your good works. That's observable behavior. That's observable behavior. Behavior. That says, I want you to let your light shine so people see your good works, how you live your life for me, so that they will turn their attention to me, God says. Right? That's what that is. That's what God wants for us. Listen, every time you choose to honor God and obey God, you're planting seeds in somebody's life. You're planting seeds in somebody's life that God is going to use in ways. That, listen, most of the time you're never going to see it. But God sees the big picture. He sees the big picture. So he tells us this for our good and for his glory. And you know, 1 Timothy 4.12 says, Don't let anyone look down on you you are young, because you are young. But set an example for the believers in life and faith, speech and purity. Set an example for the believers. Listen, the five areas mentioned here, you know, in in speech and conduct and love and faith and purity, the five uh, areas mentioned in that verse cover everything in our life. So we're not just to set that example and be an encouragement and live for the Lord as an example of those outside these walls, but we're supposed to do it inside these walls to encourage one another. What a blessing. What a powerful thing. And you've heard me say this before, but this is true. You are either going to be someone's reason or someone's excuse. You are either going to be the reason why somebody looks at God and go, I want that because of what I see in you. You're going to be somebody's reason or you're going to be somebody's excuse. They're going to look at your life and go, you're no different. You're no different. And you call yourself a Christian. I don't need God. Right? God wants us to be somebody's reason. He wants us to love him. And as we, as we choose to believe in God, have a genuine belief in him, it's going to result in a life, not perfectly by any means, but in a life that is headed in the direction that God wants us to go. We see that exhibited in Caleb's life. Listen, parents, you want your kids to love God? You love God. Students, you want your friends to love God? You love God. If we want people to love God, then we've got to choose to love God. And we can. And that's a privilege. That's a blessing. That's what God wants for us. So as we close this example of Caleb and the study in our word tonight, those two areas, belief in God, behavior for God, what do you need to ask God to help you with? Maybe it's for you, it's, it's belief. Is there an area in your life you're really doubting God? What you've looked through and what you see is not at all what you prayed for. And you've prayed for a long time and you don't see it. And you're tempted, listen, you're tempted, because I'm, I'm going to confess, that is me. So often that is me. I've prayed for stuff, and I'm like, God, I don't see anything changes, and this has been going on and on, and what's going on? And I'm tempted, I'm tempted to put more faith in what I see and what I feel than in the character of God. And that's wrong. It's wrong. I should be able to put my faith in God's Word and His character much more than what I see here, because this is temporary. One day God's going to go, open your eyes, Wes. Here you go. And I'm going to be going, wow, God, you are amazing. Because He is. Until that time, we trust Him. So maybe there's an area of your life right now that you're you're struggling. You're struggling. And Satan wants you to believe that God's promises, they're not for you. This is not true. Jesus is looking at you in the backdrop of what you see that is tough. He's looking at you through His Word and He says, do you believe me? He's looking at me and saying, Wes, do you believe me? I want to be able to say yes. And on the days that I struggle, I want to be able to say, God, help me. I need your help. Maybe for you it's not belief. Maybe it's behavior. Maybe it's an area of obedience that God has been tapping on your heart about. And you've just been pushing it off. And you, you need to stop. You need to stop. You need to go, well, God, here, I want you. Whatever you want for me, I want for me. here. I want to choose to follow you. I want to make a difference with my life. Because none of us know how many days we have. None of us know how many days we have. Let me close with this. I wrote this verse, and I've shared this with some of you, uh, inside the journals uh, that we hand out to our graduates. It's it become my life verse. It just was the verse that God used to just knock me off my feet and straighten me out. Uh, 1 John 2.28 says this, And now little children, speaking of Christians, abide in Him, stay connected and close to Jesus, so that when He appears, we may have confidence and not shrink away in shame. at His coming. That was a moment in my life where God says, just like Jesus was standing right there saying, Wes, I'm coming back. It could be today. When you see me, are you going to be excited? Or are you going to shrink away in shame? Because of the half committed life you've been given to me. That was a moment for me, and I like, busted. I'm like, God, I want what you want. I'm nervous. I'm scared about it. I don't know what it all means, but here, here, it's the best thing we can do. So, is there an area of your life that you're not obeying God in, and you need to go here? Do it. Don't wait. Do it. Genuine belief in God will result genuine behavior for God. And you'll lead a life of impact. And who wouldn't want to be about that? Let's pray. Heads bowed and eyes closed just for a second. Thank you guys so much for your kind attention. This is uh, the pivotal part right here. What did God talk to you about? You ask Him to speak to you. So I believe on the authority of God's word that He has. So what do you need to do about it? What does God talk to you about? What do you need to do about it? Take a few moments silently right there with God. Talk it out. If you're here tonight or you're going to be, you're listening to this through our podcast. And you know what? You don't know Jesus. You know about him, but you don't really know him. You've never truly put your faith in him. If you died tonight, you are not confident, 100% sure that you'd make heaven. You can. You can know that. If that is you, then just tell God that's what you want. Just lock in your belief and say, God, I want you. I'm going to follow you. Let me give you a prayer to pray. Mean these words as your own, they're not magic. Just pray something like this Say, Dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I know I can't save myself. I believe you died for me. You have life to give me. A home in heaven. Forgiveness of sins. Relationship with you. I want it. I want it all. I want you. So I turn from my sin. I repent. I don't want it anymore. I turn to you. I give myself to you. Come in and save me. I believe in you. I'm all yours. I will follow you. Heads bowed, and eyes closed. If, if you prayed that prayer, you're here in the building tonight. You prayed that prayer. I just want to remember you in a closing prayer. No one look around but me. I'm just going to ask you to hold your hand up until I can see it so I can pray for you. Because the Bible tells us to make our decisions for Christ public, your raised hand starts that process. So if that's you, I'm going to just invite you to raise your hand and say, Wes, I just prayed it. I gave my life to Christ. Pray for me. Lord, thank you for your truth. Thank you that you love us. Thank you that you have a, a plan for us that matters. And so God, I pray that each one of us, Lord, wherever we're struggling, maybe it's in a belief issue or maybe it's in a behavior issue of obedience. God, I just pray that by your spirit, you'd grab a hold of us. And Lord, if we're pushing that off, I pray that you would bother us. Lord, just by your spirit, bother us until, until we make things right with you. Because Lord, your way is perfect and your way is right. So help us to follow you. Thank you for the example of Caleb, Lord, may we be that kind of example to people around us. May this church be that kind of an example for your glory, Lord, because you alone are worthy. In your name we pray, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Vintage Church at Buffalo podcast. To connect with us and to get more encouraging biblical content, go to vcb.church.